sing them, the first time we sang them, we'd sing them about three or four times until we got, got to know the words. Because we didn't have all this fancy stuff, all this technological advancements. And, you know, it's great. I love it because it helps, it helps us. But it's okay. It doesn't matter. So sometimes we need to put the songs in our memory and put them in our heart so we can sing them when we're alone. Because it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And sometimes that's where we need to make our joyful noise is when we're alone. <laughs> so in the way of announcements, there's a calendar out there on the wall, bigger one, and there's some on the table if you want to take one. Like I said, we're going to have kind of a, a consistent type schedule so it makes it easier to remember and only change it up basically around ho uh, holidays or if something comes up. So, and we're in the 4th. This is the 4th of January. Man, this is a new year. Wow, and I haven't hardly messed it up yet. <laughs> Next Sunday, it's the 11th, and it's also the second Sunday of the month. So the second Sunday of the month is going to be what? Pot blessing. Second Sunday of the month, we're going to have pot blessing. So remember that next week, we're going to have pot blessing, and there will be no evening service and no Sunday school. So we can just kind of hang out, and if we want to have fun, I don't know. Be, be good to have, a, have that. On Wednesday nights, we're going to start a series this Wednesday night called Driven by Eternity. And we have plenty of these books, and if anybody wants a book that doesn't have one, you don't need to read the book. You don't need to do anything you know, required because we're going to go you know, through it. But if those of you that would like the book to kind of reinforce what we're going to be doing and what we're going to be talking about, then you know, kind of get a copy. We have plenty of them. So if you want to do that, then, then come and grab one. So we're going to do that next Wednesday, starting next Wednesday night. And I don't know how many weeks we'll be doing that. I guess we'll till we're done. Huh? Minimum of 12 weeks. So it's going to be a, a great study. And on, um, on the 18th, we're going to have a board meeting right after the morning service. That's going to be uh, consistently every other month on the third Sunday. So those kind of things. So we kind of get used to, you know, that thing. I think that uh, we need a special board meeting sometimes, and we'll kind of throw that in there. But basically... That's what's going to happen. And then on the, the end of the sun, last week of the month, we're going to do family night. That means we're going to have games. And we're going to, you know, maybe you can win again, Vivian. <laughs> we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep playing until I win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I decided after, after game night this week that I'm not going to sit next to my husband. Because he always ruins my hand always ruins it takes my place so i've decided i'm going to sit before him and let me ruin his hand <laughs> so but we had we had a good time so we're, we're we're kind of thankful for everybody to come out we had a good turnout too we had a really good turnout a lot of kids and a lot of adults we played a lot of games and it was kind of fun it was noisy a lot at times but it was a lot of fun and we need to have fun as christians whoever said that christians aren't supposed to have fun isn't a christian because if you're a Christian, you know you, you, you just have a different type of fun. And I didn't have to worry about getting up the next morning and have a hangover and ask somebody if I had a good time. Because I remembered I had a good time. So, praise the Lord. Okay, before I get carried away here, let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity to come into your house, Lord, and to sing praises to your name, Lord. And we're thankful, Lord, for the opportunity to worship you. Now, Lord, I, as I prepare the message, Lord, this morning, I pray, Lord, that you'd anoint me, Lord, to be able to speak the words, Lord, that you'd have me to speak, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you'd anoint this congregation, that your mighty Holy Spirit would walk these aisles, Lord, and touch people's hearts to be able to be receptive to the words, Lord, that you've given to me this morning. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Now, this is New Year's. If you didn't know that, then you live in a cave, I guess. <laughs> but this is the first Sunday of the New Year, and it kind of gives you an opportunity to make resolutions, and I don't know how many people make resolutions. Usually, a lot of people do, and they think, oh, this year's going to be different. This year's going to be great. This year's going to, I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to do this. And they make these great big long lists of things they're not going to do or things that they are going to do. I'm going to go on a diet. That's probably the number one thing that people, you know, say. And after the holidays, I probably need to, need to uh, kind of adopt that, that one because, you know, things get a little tight after the holidays. <laughs> like, oh, don't move too fast, Sandra. So that's kind of the, probably the number one resolution that people make for the new year. And then about the middle of January, then they've broken at least half of them. So, but this morning I want to talk about some resolutions for the new year. New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, first Sunday of New Year's, why not, huh? Good time to do that. And I, I know that if we can adopt these resolutions or these principles, if it wasn't New Year's, I'd call them principles, <laughs> to live by. And if we could adopt these into our own lives, this year would be a different year. Our lives would be completely changed if we could do this. And that's what I want to look at this morning. These are things that will change our life. And that's what we want. Because what good's a resolution if it doesn't change your life? If the middle of the month comes and all it does is make us feel bad, and every time you, you take a bite of that cake because you vowed you wasn't going to do that for this next year, these kind of things are things that we can live by. And, and if we don't do all of them to the letter, it doesn't matter because we can come to God and say, God, forgive me, and then renew it again. I'm going to try better. I'm going to do this. I, I want to do these. But these are ten resolutions. Only God doesn't call them resolutions. They're just ten principles to live by or five or whatever they, they turn out to be. And if they're, most of everything we want to look at is in Proverbs. So if you want to turn to Proverbs, we're going to kind of look at some in the third chapter, and that's where we're going to get these, these resolutions or these principles from, is from the book of Proverbs. Because Proverbs is just, just chuck full of wisdom and things that we can live by. And I know that uh, there's a lot of people that what they do, and it, you know, it's kind of a good policy. I like to read the Bible from every year through, so I have a, a set regimen that I do to make sure that I've gone through the whole Bible every year. And um, uh, so other people that don't want to do that, what they like to do is just take one book of Proverbs and read whatever day it is of the week, then that's the proverb that you read. So it's the fourth today, you would be reading number, the fourth proverb. And that's kind of a way to be able to read something in the Bible that will change your life. Because the Bible changes who you are. The more we get into our, body, our lives, the more that we live by the principles of it, the more we change and the closer we are to God. So that's one good thing that we can do and get wisdom into our hearts. And um, so in the third chapter, that's where I'm going to start this morning. Starting with the very first verse. See, there's still some pages being turned. I want to, you know, get there. Usually I, you know, I do jump around a lot. and It's too hard to, you know, when I do that, to be able to, to uh, give you a, a lot of time to be able to find it. But we're going to stay right in here in Proverbs mainly through this third, third chapter, and we're going to get all the, the stuff that we can get out of this, hopefully, this morning. Okay, verse, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teachings, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years, and bring you prosperity. Wow. All right, it starts right off. What's going to happen? What do we have to look forward to? If we keep the teachings of God, what's going to happen? We're going to have long life and prosperity. Wow, I kind of like that. 
Man, let's just stop there. Let's just stop there and forget everything else, and I'm just going to quote this, this scripture. I'm just going to quote this, and that's all I'm going to live by, just this one. I'm going to have a long life. Oops, wait a minute, there's a butt in there. Just when we think we got, it, we got it all figured out, we look out and there's a butt in there. Or if. Don't you just hate those two words when you're reading scripture? Don't you hate them? If I do this, then I can have this. Or but this. I, I don't like that part, but we, it's in there. We have, to, we have to look at it. But keep my commands in your heart. Now that's where it's got to be kept is in our heart. We can obey a lot of external things, and that's good, and we should do that. But God wants us to keep his principles in our hearts. Because when they're kept in our hearts, that's when our lives are going to change. That's when our lives are going to make a difference in, in the community we live in, in our church, in our family, is when we keep them in our heart, not just externally. Because we know and our kids know if we're just walking through and we're just doing lip service to things. Don't, don't, don't people know that if we're doing that? And we're trying to live them externally and, and we can't do it and we fail every time we look around, we're failing and we're tripping over everything. But people know. But when we keep them in our hearts, we don't have to worry about it because what's in our heart is what comes out. And we got to keep them in our heart. And that's where God wants us to keep them is in our hearts. And if we make these every day a part of our life, then the end of this year... We're going to be different people. We're going to be closer to God. We're going to, our lives are going to be more blessed. We're going to have more prosperity in our life. And that doesn't just doesn't mean money in the bank. Because we mention the word prosperity, and all of a sudden we think, man, I'm going to get money in my bank account. That doesn't say that, because prosperity doesn't necessarily mean money in, a, in your bank account. It can, but it's, it's internally the prosperity of our soul. And that's what we want, because when we're happy within ourselves, our lives look different. Our lives are different. When people come in contact with us, when we have God's prosperity and blessing in our hearts, they know it. They like being around somebody that's happier. I hate being around negative people, don't you? Man, you go there and you're all excited and, and you have this good attitude and you talk to this person for five minutes and all of a sudden you're depressed and you want to go out and, and you go home and you kick the dog because, man, they really ruined your day. But if you come around somebody that's happy and someone that's excited about life and someone that enjoys their life, then you get around them and all of a sudden you want to come home and say, hi, honey. And you pat the kids on the head and, and you pick them up and you hug them because you don't care about kicking the dog then because they've changed your life just by being in contact with somebody that has that kind of, kind of life. And that's what we need to be. We need to be that person so people are attracted to, who, to us. And they don't need to worry about when they leave, their life is going to be different. Because God's prosperity is in our heart. And God's blessing, it always overflows. It just doesn't stay in one place. You can't have God's blessing in one little itty-bitty bitty place. It just flows over. And that's what he says he's going to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. And it, we can't do anything. We, we can't even control it. It just comes out. When God's in here, hey, it's going to come out. And that's what God wants. He wants us to keep him in his heart. Okay, for, so resolution number one is in the third and fourth verses. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Tie them around your neck. Write them upon your heart, upon the table, tablet of your heart. And ye shall find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Don't let mercy and truth forsake you. In other words, don't ever tell lies. Hey, if people would just speak truth, if people were just honest... Man, what a difference that would make, wouldn't it? It would make, make such a difference to people, just to be honest about things. I know that sometimes we can't be telling everything we need to say to people because we have to 
show mercy because it's mercy and truth. And mercy is not beating somebody up over something. If someone does something to us, we have to show kindness to them. And we speak the truth in love. So we, got, we can't just speak just truth. We have to speak it in love. And when we speak something in love, the truth doesn't hurt so bad. Like the old the song said, the spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Well, we need that spoonful of sugar. And we as Christians, God says, don't let the mercy and truth depart from us. Keep mercy and truth in our heart. Always use mercy when we're talking to people. Always be honest with people. But show mercy. Don't do everything we can to try to tear somebody down. Show mercy to people because God has shown mercy to us. Mercy is not getting punished for what you should be punished for. Because that's what God shows mercy towards us with. I'm glad God has shown mercy to me. Because I don't like the consequences if he didn't. And he wants us to be truthful. He wants us to be honest with people. And we as Christians need to be honest. If we can't speak the truth, don't say anything. It's better not to keep our mouth shut than it is to say things that aren't true. So God says, bind him around your neck. Remind yourself that everything that goes on in your life, speak truth and season it with mercy. Season it with love. If we live by just that principle, man, that would change our whole year. They make, made all kinds of funny movies about, they got one out now, Yes Men or something, and all they can say is yes. And it, they make a big hoopla over it, funny, funny, funny movie. But God doesn't want that. God wants truth in our lives. And if we can't be nice to people and we can't show kindness to people, then let's don't say anything at all. Let's let truth be supreme in our life. That's the first resolution. And truth, in case you don't know what it is, it's, it's fact or reality, honesty and sincerity. I think everybody kind of understands the word truth. I don't think they understand it in Washington. I think that they need to have a, have a dictionary with that circled up and sent to them and say, this is what truth's supposed to do. If you can't say anything that's true, keep your mouth shut. Boy, that would eliminate the speeches that people give, wouldn't it? If they couldn't speak anything but truth, man, that 40-minute that speech would only be two minutes long. So that's whether we need to learn truth and speak truth. Uh, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Trust in the Lord. Now trust means a firm reliance on the integrity, ability, or character of a person or thing. Custody or care. Something committed into the charge of another. The condition and resulting obligation of having confidence placed in one. One in which confidence is placed, reliance on something in the future, hope, reliance on the intention, the ability of a purchaser to pay in the future, credit, faith, confidence, reliance, and dependence. That's what trust is. It's a long word, but we kind of know what that means. We trust God. We depend upon God for every day of our life. Not just when the monthly bills come, say, oh God, I trust in you, you're going to have to pay these bills. I rely on every day of our life. And if we would do that, if we would just rely on God every day of our life, what a difference that would make. And not have to worry about, just like the stuff that's going on in Israel right now. I don't have to worry about that because my confidence is in God. It isn't in the Israeli army. It isn't in the American army. It's in God. And God has all this stuff worked out. And I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to be fearful because my confidence and my trust is in God. And I know he is going to work it out. So I don't have to run and hide. I don't have to do anything because my trust is in God. It isn't in my money. A lot of people had confidence in their wallets. And look what happened to their wallets. They went, goodbye. A lot of people. 
And I, we can't put our trust there because God doesn't need a good economy to bless us. God supersedes the economy that's going on in our world. It doesn't make any difference. God isn't dependent upon America. America is dependent upon God. And as soon as we throw God out, look what's happened to our nation. As soon as we start trying to departmentalize all these things of where God's supposed to be, then we end up in the mess we're in. Then we have all these kind of crises there. But if America as a nation would trust God the way that his word says to, we wouldn't be having all these problems. We didn't have them years and years and years ago. We didn't have them. It's just since we start throwing God out. And the same thing happens in our life. If we throw God out of a part of our life, then we're going to have the same kind of situation that we're having in our economy. Our personal economy is going to suffer. So if you, your economy, personal economy is suffering, then we need to look, am I trusting God? Am I trying to do things on my own? But we're supposed to trust in him and lean not into our own understanding. Now, understanding is the ability or acknowledgement, acquaintance, advertising, announcement, awareness, celebrity, communication, education, eminence, fame, grass, hint, whatever. In other words, we kind of know what knowledge is. That's stuff that we learn. We learn knowledge in school. We read books and we, we gain knowledge from them. If you're a mechanic or studying it, which you, you didn't always know how to work on a car. You had to study about that. You had to gain knowledge to be able to understand how do, how do I work on a car? How do I change the spark plugs? How do I uh, check the, the, the timing on the vehicle? And all these other kind of things. That isn't something we're born with a knowledge of. We have to be able to, to study, to learn that kind of stuff. And that's what God wants us to do. We want to, he wants us to study his word and to be able to depend upon his word and gain knowledge because knowledge will change who we are in this next year. Knowledge will make a difference. There's nothing worse than someone that's a Christian who doesn't know anything about God's word because what do you have to hang on to? What do you have to be able to make a difference in your family? What do you have that you have a difference to make in your church or the, your workplace? If you have no knowledge of anything, you're just biding your time and hoping that the Lord will come before anything else happens. And that isn't what God wants us to, to do. He wants us to gain knowledge. And knowledge, acknowledge, means to exist the existence of God. America's quit acknowledging God. And we have to acknowledge God in our lives. If we want to make a difference this next year, we have to acknowledge God in every crack and crevice of our life. We have to acknowledge him when we're raising our kids. We have to acknowledge him even when you're cooking dinner, when you're cleaning house, when you're on the job. Acknowledge God that he exists because there's nothing worse than being around somebody and being ignored. If I followed you around all day and you never talked to me, I'd get my little feelers hurt. And so would you. You wouldn't like it if you got ignored. But if I was there, you would acknowledge my existence. You would acknowledge that I'm there. And if I meet you in the store, you wouldn't just walk around by me. You'd say, and I hope you wouldn't. <laughs> you would say, well, hi, how you doing? And I would do the same thing. I would acknowledge your existence. I would acknowledge you. And that's what we need to do with God. We need to acknowledge him in every avenue of our life. Because God goes with us all day long. He's with us every place we go. Whether we acknowledge him or not, he's still there. And God wants us to acknowledge him because when we acknowledge him, then we're more apt to allow him to influence that, that part or area of our life. And he will direct. God will direct if we'll let him. The problem is we don't let him. Now, we have directors that, that direct movies. We're kind of familiar with that. We have directors that direct movie, and they get on, and they have this director. And what he does is he takes the script that's there. And he says, you, you do this, and you go here, and this is the way I want you to say this. This is the way I want you to do that. And so th th we're familiar with that. 
if you've ever been involved with in, in a school play or even the little kids when they do the Christmas things or the Easter things here. They have a director. They have someone that tells them, this is what I want you to do. This is the way I want you to ring your bell. I want you to ring your bell here. I want you to ring your bell over here. And so somebody is directing that. And that's what God wants to do with our lives. He wants to direct our life. He wants to direct us in the path that he wants us to go. God doesn't want to direct us over here to these problems and situations that he can see there, but sometimes we, we ignore his direction, and so we end up there. And then we say, God, help me. How do I get out of here? But God wants to direct us in a certain path, in a way that's going to be most beneficial to us, to make us stronger Christians, because that's what it's all about. God wants us to be strong Christians. He doesn't want us to be weaklings. He doesn't want us to, be, to fall down at every little teeny rock in the road. But we will if we're not letting him direct our life. We want him to direct our life. We want him to tell us what to go, what to do, what to do and what not to do. Because sometimes it's what not to do. And it's some of those what not to do's that we don't like. But there are a lot of not do's in, in directing, in movies. I don't want you over here doing this. I want you to do this. So we have to realize that God wants to direct our path. And we have to let him. We acknowledge him, direct our path. And what was the other one? Let's see. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. Lean not in our own understanding. Sometimes we think we know it all. Don't we? And man, I hate being around a know-it-all. I hate that with a passion. I don't care if, if you've had uh, two, two surgeries, they've had twin. No matter what it is, they know it. Or I've been there. I've done that. And that's good to a certain degree when someone's going through something and you're trying to encourage them. You know, say, well, I know what it's like. I've been there. Now, that's a different scenario. But it isn't a matter of us trying to to top somebody else in what we've done. We can't do things in our own understanding because our understanding isn't God's understanding. God's ways are not our, or our ways aren't God's ways. And sometimes you go through things, and I've done this myself. I've gone through, Lord, I don't understand what's going on here. But I have to trust you, and I'm going to acknowledge you, and I'm going to allow you to direct this situation so I can get the most benefit out of it. I can't do it in my own understanding because... The principles and the things of God, sometimes we can't understand. We just have to accept them by faith and know that God is going to work it out. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to acknowledge him. He wants us to direct, let him direct our path and lean not in our own understanding. No matter what we see, don't go by what we see. Go by what God says. And we have a lot of what God says right here. But the problem is we have to read it. And when we read it, then we gain knowledge. And knowledge helps us to be able to face every situation that we face. We don't have to worry about it because we have the foundation that's there. And God will allow us, put, after we put knowledge in, that God will give us the wisdom how to use the knowledge. That sounds fair, doesn't it? But if you don't have the knowledge, how are you going to know how to have the wisdom to use it? I can quote, quote scriptures all day long, but it doesn't matter unless I have wisdom and know how to use it. And how does it apply to my life today? Because if you read the Bible every day, you know that you can read one scripture today and read the same scripture next week or next month, and you'll get something different out of it. Because that's the ability of God's wisdom to be able to apply it to our own hearts. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to acknowledge him and gain knowledge and, under and not lean in our understanding to trust him for everything else. Number three, uh, verses seven and eight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your, bone, to your bones. Don't be wise in our own eyes. 
When we think we know something, that's when we don't. When, so, when we think we've got everything all figured out, it's just like God to bring something else along and we don't have it all figured out. Because we'll never have everything all figured out until we stand in his presence. And then he'll remove all the veils and things that we don't understand now and replace them with knowledge or wisdom or with knowing that what's going on. I mean, when I get to heaven, I want to, you know, I think now that when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, what was going on here? What was going on here in my life? Or here, or here, or here. Where were you? It seemed like you weren't even with me. But usually when I get there, I'll probably be so concerned with other things I won't ask. But after maybe the first two million years or something, then I may remember and go back and say, God, what was going on here? Because, you know, I, I couldn't see it. And we can't see things right now. And sometimes we get wise in our own eyes, and we think we have it all figured out on how everything's going to work, and then something blows up, and then we wonder what happened, and it devastates our life. But if we trust in God, and we let him give us wisdom, and let him give us what we need, then we don't need to worry about being wise in our own eyes. Don't like wise guys, do we? Don't like wise guys. Sometimes you get, you know, your kids when they're growing up, when they're little, they grow up and they're such wise guys, you just want to punch them. Of course, that was my kids. I know you, your kids were just perfect angels. They weren't like mine. Mine were little monsters, and I knew it. And I tried to beat the meanness out of them. But that's biblical. The, Bob's, the Bible says, if you spank your kid, it won't hurt them. You give, need to apply, what is it, the seed of wisdom to the, or something to the, Something of wisdom or to the seat of their understanding or something. Yeah, a body of wisdom to their seat of understanding. That works great sometimes. And the Bible says, if a child wants to do something wrong, don't worry. You can drive it out of them with a little little paddling. So our kids, if our kids aren't uh, behaving like they should, look at, are you disciplining them? Or are you just telling them, oh, you nice little poor little thing. Oh, you poor little thing. You didn't get your own way. Oh, I feel so bad for you. And that's the society we live in. Every crime that's committed is because of their environment. It wasn't their fault. They didn't do it. They didn't mean it. it was because their, 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 their father used to beat them, or their father was a drunk, or their father this, or their mother did this, or, or, you know, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And I'm not saying those things don't influence who we are, because they do. There are a lot of things that happened in my life that I can look back and I say, yeah, they influenced my life. But it doesn't matter because God doesn't need to worry about the past because God gives us a new future, and he doesn't want us looking back anyway. We, the past, that's why they call it the past, because it's gone by. We need to look ahead to what God wants to do. And when we look ahead, we don't, it doesn't matter if our, if our dad was an alcoholic or it doesn't matter if our, our dad used to beat us every time he came come home drunk. It doesn't matter because God has a new future for us, and he says, I will restore what the devourer has taken. And that environment is a devourer that has robbed us of things. So God says, I want to restore that. But we can't get it restored when all we're doing is looking behind us. It's gone. It's past. All we have control over is now. And God has a now for us. And he has a future for us. And he wants the best for us because he wants us to prosper. That's God's will for our life. You want to know what God's will for your life? Is that you prosper and be, in, be blessed. That's God's will for our lives. Unfortunately, we have to, you know, live our own lives, and we make a lot of mistakes, and God has to try to try to work those things out to give us the benefits that we need from them because we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. I make a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes last year. I'm probably going to make a lot more this year. But it doesn't matter because I'm going to come to God because I have to acknowledge that I make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. 
If someone says they're perfect, then look out. because Don't get too close to them because a cross is going to show up somewhere. So I don't want to get around them. But no one's perfect. The only perfect man there was was Christ, and they, they killed him. So we don't like perfect people. We hate them as a group of people. We don't hate Jesus because he was perfect. He had to be perfect. But the reality is that people don't like people that are that are, are appear to be perfect. And when we try to put on this persona of perfection to people, and like, I never make a mistake, or I never do anything wrong, then people aren't going to want to be around you. They want to be around somebody that, that is like them. They know they make mistakes, and they know, that, hey, I can be around that because they're real. And the closer I get to that person, I know that, hey, they make mistakes too, but they still can serve God. So if they can do that and they make mistakes, it's okay because I can serve God then. And that's why it's important for us not to hide some of those things. Of course, some of the things we don't need to be doing, so we don't need to worry about hiding them. But if we, if we trust in God and we lean on our own understanding and we don't look wise in our own eyes, that can allow God to be able to work a work in our hearts. Number four, or excuse, yeah, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will burn over with new wine. Wow, honor the Lord with your wealth. And when we do, then God will bless us. He says, I will fill your barns. Now, we know in the Old Testament they did a lot of uh, planting and harvesting and those kind of things, so they had barns. Now we have checking accounts. So that kind of took the place of that. But God says, if you honor me with your wealth, if you honor me with your tithes and with your offerings, then I'm going to fill up your barns. I'm going to give you back to you. You're not going to miss it. We paid tithes from the time that we became Christians, and I never missed a dime of it. And if they offered to give it all back to me, everything that I've given God in the last 20 years, I wouldn't take it because my blessings that I've received from God are greater than anything that, I've ever, that I could ever gain. Oh, it would be great for a little while. You know, it would be a lot of money. But it doesn't matter because that money is God's money. And when we don't give God his money, then we're trying to ask him to bless something that we've stolen from God. And God says, if you're not giving your offerings to me, then you're, you're robbing me. And not only robbing God, but we're robbing ourselves. Because we need to understand that God's principles work certain ways. And God says, if you honor me with your wealth, with, your, with what you have, then I'm going to honor you. And I'm going to bless you. So you don't need to worry about the things. And you'll live better on the 90% than you ever did on the 100%. And I found that to be true. I found it to be true throughout my life. And when I have something problem going on, just like now this yesterday we're sitting there, a water heater's going out. I'm going, man, why couldn't this happen last year instead of this year? The first, day, first part of the year, and all of a sudden things are blowing up, you know. But I know that, yeah, maybe, maybe we have to replace a water heater. Big deal. What would I be replacing if I wasn't faithful to God? Because God gets his, gets his money. He may get it through flat tires. He may get it through, uh, yeah, through a lost job. He may get it through all kinds of things, but God gets his money. Israel went into bondage for 70 years. Why? Because they didn't honor God with their faithfulness and, and their giving and their worshiping God. So God gets his tithe. God gets it. And we, we not only, I like to think we, we're kind of sit the 10% of money, but I look at 10% of our time too. But when we're given 10% of our money because we work, we are giving 10% of our time. So it's kind of, we get double blessing. We're giving God 10% of our money because we're paid X amount of dollars for our, for our hours at work. We give God an hour's worth of work. Hey, I've, or whatever it might be, I'm giving that to God. 
So it kind of works out both ways for us. We're giving him our time when we give him our money. So, but if we're not, then, hey, then God doesn't have to honor us. He doesn't have to give us blessings. He doesn't have to fill our barns to overflowing and your, our vats running over. He doesn't have to do that. I know that there are a lot of people that, that don't serve God, and it seems like they prosper, and they prosper, and they prosper. Well, devil takes care of his own too, sometimes. But I'm not living this life for this life. I'm living this life for the next life. And I'd rather have it in the next life than here. And the problem is there's too many people that all they do is live for wealth in this world. And then they spend their whole lives working and trying to earn money for what? They don't know who their kids are. Their kids are all delinquents. Their kids are all whatever. And they say, what happened? Well, what happened was you were more interested in money than you were in your family. Yeah, so when they die, all they do is die with more toys. They've lost their family. Sometimes they've lost their health. How many rich people do we know or heard about? Don't know. I don't know very many which rich people. I don't know whether you do or not, but I don't. If, if, I, if I know somebody, I'm hoping I know some that I don't know about, that know me, and then when they die, they're going to leave it to me. So I'm kind of hoping for that, you know, <laughs> but I don't know any. But they grow up, and they spend their whole lives, and they're, and they're at the cost of their health. And they go up, they say, man, I'd give anything if I just eat a steak. Or I'd give anything if I could just eat this, or I could just do that, or I could go back. Because nobody on their deathbed has ever wished they had to spend more time at work. Nobody. They always say, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I would have spent more time doing this. I wish I would have understood the principles. Well, God gives us the principles. But when we don't read his word and we don't study it, we don't get it. And so we spend our whole lives on things that don't matter. God wants us to have a life that matters. So when we lay on our deathbed, if we know we're dying, then we can look back and we can see our family around it. We can see friends around us. And people are actually going to miss us when we're gone. Instead of saying good riddance. The movie uh, uh, Scrooge that we see every year at Christmas time. It talks about that. It talks about a man who spent his whole life gaining money. But then he found the honesty or the truth behind what it's all about. And then his whole life changed. And then he could use, it, use that money that he so hung on to to be able to bless other people. And that's what God wants us to do. America was blessed because they were a blessing to the world. We give to the world. We send missionaries all over the country. And God has honored that. God has honored the blessing that the people have done. We're the most generous country in the world. You don't see the, some of the other the Arab nations, you don't see them giving money to people to help them. They don't care. It's all about, I need money to make more bombs. But Americans is blessed because we have been a blessing. And when we quit being a blessing, look out. And the same thing happens to our own life. When we quit being a blessing, look out. Because we're here to be a blessing. We're here to promote God's kingdom. We're here to lead people to Christ, to draw them close to him. And how can God do that if we're not even honoring God in any part of our life? Some people, I remember this, this little Affleck commercial or something that they have on, uh, on TV where the guy's sitting there and they're um, at the, what do they call it, tailgating party, and they're sitting there because they can't get in the tickets and that, and the guy says, hi to this guy, and he says, well, how do you know him? Oh, that's my insurance agent. And he sits there and talks about whatever, oh, he, he insures your car. No, he insures my boat and my house and my, and my family, whatever. He says, you have a boat? You have a wife? <laughs> it was just something because he didn't know anything about this guy. 
And that's kind of the reality of it. When we suck it, when we keep everything into ourselves and people don't know anything about us. And if they don't know anything about us, they don't know anything about our Lord. And God wants us to be open so people can be drawn to him. So God wants to bless us so we can be a blessing. And that's the reality of it. And once people find out you're a Christian, oh, yeah, they're going to make fun of you. They're going to laugh at you. Oh, that's true. They do that all the time. Who cares? It doesn't matter. So far, they aren't throwing nails in your hands and your feet. But God wants us to be a blessing. And when we are, then people are drawn to you. And when they have a problem, they're going to come to you and say, you know, this happened in my life, or my mom died, or my dad died, or my sister or brother, they're sick. Would you pray for them? Because they know. Yeah, they may make, make funny and talk about, about you behind your back, but when a need comes up, you're the one they're going to look for. And you're the one that's going to be able to influence them, influence them. And they're opening up to be able to, for you to testify to them. And that's what it's all about. So when we honor God with every area of our life, not just by attending church on Sunday morning or Sunday night, it's all about being a blessing to others. When we are blessed because God blesses us and it overflows in our life. But we have to be able to have God in here. We have to have his principles in our heart in order for that to happen. Number five, 11 and 12, verse 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Now, I'm not perfect. Like I said, I make a lot of mistakes and sometimes God has to rein me in and he has to discipline me. And we're never too old to be disciplined by God. I don't care. When your kids, you raise them up and they're gone on their own, we can't discipline them anymore. It's too late. But when they're little, if we love our children, we're going to discipline them because I love them too much to let them get away with that kind of stuff. And God is the same way with us. He loves us too much to leave us the way that we are. And he wants to change us. He wants us to be a different person than we were before. In order to do that, he has to direct us into certain ways. And sometimes he has to slap slap our hands. I don't like it when my hands get slapped. Do you? But he slaps my hands and it hurts. And I, you know, I scream. And I scream to God and say, God, what are you doing this for? Can't you see I don't like this? I do that. I may not do it here, but I do too. <laughs> I get in my little room and shut the door, and the dogs come down the hall barking and wonder what the world's going on in there. Somebody's killing mama. <laughs> so, but we, God disciplines us, and if God hasn't disciplined you, then you need to, you need to say, God, don't you love me? <laughs> because when God disciplines me, I know that God loves me. And we live in a society where, oh, man, if we could just be loved. They just want to be loved. That's all they want. I'm reminded of the story of the little boy who wanted, it was at Christmas time, and the little boy come to his father and asked him, you know, if he could, how much he made an hour. And the father got a little bit, you know, on guard because it's none of your, none of your little business what I make an hour. You know, and he says, oh, I'm telling you what, it's none of your business. And snapped at the little boy. And later he kind of felt bad about it. And uh, he says, Felt bad, so he went back to his son. Says, "Sorry, I didn't mean to uh, to be angry with you." And he says, uh, "I make, which is unrealistic, fifty dollars an hour. I don't know what they make nowadays, but that seems like a lot of money to me. <laughs> a lot of money for me, even for my whole work. But anyway, he make fifty dollars an hour." And he says, "Well, oh, little boy, kind of dropped his head, and he says, um, can I borrow twenty-five dollars?'" And man, the father just went just ballistic. 
He thought, man, you just asked me that so you could borrow money to find out if I had enough money so you could borrow it from me? And he's sitting there ranting and raving and ranting and raving at his son. And finally he just ran off again. Then he came back to that one. Man, maybe he's got a good reason. He wants that money. Maybe I was a little rash. He says, he's never asked for money from me before. Why? So he kind of went sulking back into his son's room. And, and that's a good lesson too, fathers or mothers. If you, you know, do something you realize that maybe you were a little harsh, it's okay. You got to go back and, you know, and apologize and make it right. I've apologized to my kids because sometimes we get it wrong. And our kids need to see those flaws in us. Because if they grow up and they, and they don't see our flaws, they'll think, I can never be a perfect father. I can never be a perfect mother. I can never be perfect, so I'm not even going to try. So it's good to see those. So the, the father goes back into the child's room, and he says, son, you've never asked me for money before. And he says, uh, here, here's $25. And uh, so he gave it to the money, and the, the kid was kind of excited. And he says, son, he says, you don't have to tell me if you don't want to. He says, but why do you want the $25? And the little boy says, well, I had $25. He says, but I wanted to buy an hour of your time. And I didn't have enough. And now he had enough to buy an hour of the father's time. And that's what we as parents, man, that's a slap in the face, isn't it? That our kids, and they do think about those kind of things when they're little, if their parents are ignoring them. They did, like, they did a survey and found out the average father spends maybe you know, a couple minutes a day with their kid, talking to their kids, if that much. We think we spend, do all these kind of things, but we don't. So, but when we, we give our lives to God, and we give our hearts to him, and we put his principles in our heart, then he changes who we are, and he makes us better parents. He makes us better fathers. He makes us better mothers. He makes us better sisters and brothers, and all those other kind of relationships that we have. He makes us better at it, and he draws people to us. Because you can't help but be around Christ and not be drawn to him. You've seen that with all the crowds that followed him and all the people that were just all over the place. Look at all the evangelists and people that they follow or all the movie stars. Man, they line up and line up and line up just to get a glimpse out of them. I don't understand that, but I guess some people do. But people will be drawn to us, but there won't be us. It'll be God inside us that they're drawn to. So God wants us to hide his principles and have them in our heart because it doesn't do any good to be here doesn't do me any good to carry this around if it isn't in here. Then I turn into a Bible thumper and, and give people, you know, reason to make fun of me. But when I carry it around in here and his love is in here, then people say, you know, all that religious stuff I don't like. But look at the difference that their life is. When they're going through a crisis, they're not pulling their hair out. They're sitting there sitting back and not worried about it. I'd be pulling my hair out. And I've been through situations that if it wasn't for God, I don't know what I'd do. Man, my, my husband and I drank all the time well, before we became Christians to, to deal with life. And we have a whole world that's trying to deal with life because they don't know what else to do. And so they, they take pills and they drink and all these other kind of things that they do trying to deal with life. Well, we have the answer. And when we're going through a situation, that's a time that our life should shine more than any other time because we don't have to succumb to the situations that are in the world. We don't have to be chained down to those kind of circumstances. We can shine during that time, say, you know, I don't know what's going on. I lost my job. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand what God's doing, trying to do. But I do know that whatever's going on, God has my best interests of heart, and he's going to work it out. And I'm going to get a better job because of it. And God wants me in a different situation. Maybe he has somebody over here he wants to, to lead me to lead to him. 
And we have to look through things with optimism and knowing that God's going to work everything out because he will. We have 20-20 hindsight, but we never have 20-20 forward sight. But God knows what's going on, and we have to be able to trust him and to be able to have a confidence in him, knowing no matter what happens, he's going to work it out. Uh, Number six, verse 13. Search diligently for wisdom and find it. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she, or wisdom, is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you can desire can compare with her. Wisdom is the one thing that we're supposed to seek diligently for because it changes our life. I'm reminded of, a, I don't remember his name, some big wealthy guy that uh, made a lot of money. And they hired, a big company hired him and paid him like $30,000 for an hour of his time to come out and see what the problem was in his manufacturing system. They paid him a lot of money because it was costing them a lot of money and they couldn't figure out what's, what's going on. And so they hired this guy to come in and walk through the processes and those kind of things to see what was going on and why everything was turning out wrong. And the guy came there. He spent 15 minutes, walked through the plant, looked around, wrote down a thing. and says, here, this is what you need to do. And the guy, the owner of the business, man, he went ballistic. He says, you, I pay you $30,000? And this is all you give me for 15 minutes of your time? He says, I, I don't understand it. He says, I, this is ridiculous. And he says, well... The $10 was for the actual thing to fix it. The rest of the money was for my expertise, so you'll know how to fix it. And wisdom is more valuable than other things because of that. It doesn't matter. I can sit there with a bunch of bolts on the ground and an engine tore all apart and it'd do no good to me because I wouldn't know where they go. I'd have to hire somebody to put it together for me. And that's what wisdom does for us. And when we seek wisdom, it helps us know how to put everything back together or how to put it together. Because God understands it. We don't, might not. We gain knowledge, then we will learn. But if we don't know, we're supposed to seek the wisdom on how to do it. And God gives us the information we need. So we need to seek dis- diligently for, win- for wisdom. God says wisdom, wisdom is valuable. Verse 16 and 17. It says it's more valuable than gold. So these people that are trying to save up all this stuff, hey, wisdom at the right time is more valuable than gold. Verse 16, long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and her paths are peace. Long life is in her right hand, and riches and honor is in the other one. So they kind of all tie together. Once you seek after wisdom and you get wisdom, then you can figure out things that you couldn't figure out otherwise. And we can only gain wisdom by God's helping us to understand. We put the knowledge in, and God gives us the wisdom on how to use the knowledge. We knows where to apply it. Verse 18, she is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. Whoever gets a hold of her is going to be blessed. So if you want your life to be blessed, then seek for wisdom and find wisdom on how to live your daily life. Then you're going to be blessed. By, verse 19, by wisdom the Lord laid the foundation. By understanding, he sets the earth in its place. By his knowledge, the deeps, the deeps were divided, and the clouds let the drop the dew. By wisdom, God established this universe and put things together. Science is starting to figure out how some of the things are working because they've got enough knowledge put together to be able to understand how how things work. They understand there's gravity and you drop something, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall. They understand some of these principles of it. 
But God, it was by wisdom, not only understanding the principles of it, but how to apply them. How did God do it? Now, that's the wisdom where the wisdom comes in. God understood wisdom, and he put everything together with wisdom. Verse 21. My son, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you and an ornament around your neck, an ornament of grace around your neck. Preserve sound judgment and discernment. Wow, if our kids could just get sound judgment and discernment, what a difference this world would be. If we just gained discernment, what a difference the world would be. Then the kids would know that, hey, I don't need to take that first drink. I don't need to start that first cigarette because it's going to save me a lot of heartache and save me a lot of problems that are unnecessary. The beginning when you start, when I first started smoking, hey, it was kind of cool. You know, the movie stars were smoking and all these kids were, people were doing this. So it was kind of cool, you know. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to be in the cool group. But then when you get older, all of a sudden, it isn't cool anymore. Because you find out that the consequences of doing that all your life. It can ruin your health. And if you don't quit, you're going to suffer a lot of, uh, of unnecessary things that you don't need to worry about. But if we had sound judgment and discernment, we wouldn't have to worry about a lot of things. We wouldn't do a lot of things if we knew that stuff was going to be harmful. And if we looked at it logically in our own minds, we would know, hey, something you take in like that into your body can't be good for you. But we need discernment. And we're supposed to tie them around our neck. Never forget it. Because they will be life for you. A lot of things, if we have discernment and sound judgment, we're going to have... Uh, a longer life. Verse 23, they and you will go your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid and when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. You will not, when you go your way, your foot will not stumble. Wow, that'd be nice if we just didn't stumble. That'd be great. Now, I'm not going to get through the rest of these. Maybe I'll finish it next week. But that's right there is enough. Just if we just, just did those, that'd be enough to gain a life-changing experience in our life. Hide it in our heart. Because that's what God wants us to do. God wants us to hide it in our heart. Because it doesn't do any good externally and if it isn't internally. Because people will know if it's in your heart and not in your head. People are going to miss heaven by 18 inches, the difference from their head to the heart. Because it doesn't do a lot of good to have it up here. It has to be here. And the knowledge is good when we get it up here it has to be up here before it can seek into our heart. That's why it's important to get knowledge of that. So we're going to quit this here this morning, and we're going to go ahead and do communion.